Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later on in the show, we'll get a glimpse of maps, music, and poetry synchronized, a program that brings together students from diverse backgrounds to unite, share, and create with one another. We'll chat with students, teachers, and administrators of the program and hear how it's evolved over the years. And later, puppetry, magic, and a rock band camp for kids with Springfield's own Scotty Swan. But first, technical problems. Yeah, so <laughs> Thursday is the day we usually talk with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts. And truth be told, we did actually talk with McGovern today. Yes, we usually have to tape him in advance because at the time that we do this show live, he's in all sorts of committee meetings, and I taped him at home. And it's gone well several weeks in a row, but it did not go well with the audio problems today. Here is an example of what it sounded like. It's time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, the ranking member of the Rules Committee, Congressman Jim McGovern. I feel like we keep having the same conversation week in and week out, where it seems like there's going to be progress on lifting the debt ceiling. And yeah, no one wants to listen to that. No, it sounds like robots it have sounds like taken Skynet. us over. And that is <laughs> funny because last week when we talked with U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern, who also is part of the Congressional Robotics Caucus Advisory Committee, he was saying how he used AI to write a paragraph of the graduation speech that he gave at Worcester Polytechnic Institute. But he also gave a cautionary warning to us last week on the show. We're even seeing now that artificial intelligence could be used to replicate your voice. So, uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I'll be out of a radio job very shortly. I know, but it could take your voice as you're speaking now and be able to turn it into an entirely different presentation. Everyone's shocked at this, and this is why I say everyone needs to read more genre fiction. Yeah, we've been warned we've about been this. We've been given cautionary tales about this constantly. But when I was so discouraged about how bad the audio quality was of our otherwise excellent conversation, it dawned on me on the drive here today, what if I took this cautionary tale of Congressman Jim McGovern from last week and then used AI to recreate our conversation? So I used a program called Descript to transcribe the whole conversation. And then I used an AI website called Well Said Labs to change our voices and recreate the conversation that we had. So my avatar that I chose for the part of the conversation is named James B. Narrator UK. Congressman McGovern's avatar is Nicole L. Narration US. Here for you in AI form is our much more erudite and astute version of McGoverning with McGovern. It's time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, the ranking member of the Rules Committee, Congressman Jim McGovern. I feel like we keep having the same conversation week in and week out where it seems like there's gonna be progress on lifting the debt ceiling and the U.S. paying its debts but it seems like that is not the case, and you've been very busy, both opposing Republicans and their rhetoric, and standing up to your own White House, talking specifically about what seems to be the major sticking point with this, which is SNAP Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, food stamps. Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, Republican saying, we want to take people from poverty to jobs. Work requirements for food and health benefits are important. It's only people who are able-bodied with no dependents. He said on Twitter, I don't think it's right that we borrow money from China to pay for somebody that has no dependents and is able-bodied to sit on a couch. 
and that sent you into a tizzy. Well, look, because his ignorance is stunning. And again, this is the problem is when you have people that try to stereotype and try to make generalizations, they oftentimes neglect to tell you the facts. First of all, there were already work requirements in SNAP for able-bodied adults without dependent. States have the ability to provide waivers in certain cases, but there were able-bodied adults without dependent who have, quite frankly, have a challenge complying with those requirements. For example, we have a lot of, of our veteran population that, uh, falls into the category of people with undiagnosed mental illnesses, people just graduating out of foster care, among other groups of people fall into this category where it becomes very difficult to comply that should they not get a measly $6 a day food benefit because of that. What if you live in a rural area, there's no public transportation, you can't get to a job. I mean, real life is complicated and unfortunately, Speaker McCarthy doesn't understand that or appreciate that, but the notion that they want to go after the most vulnerable people in this country and not find savings from rolling back some of Trump's tax cuts for millionaires and billionaires. Not going after subsidies, taxpayer-funded subsidies to big oil companies and fossil fuel companies. Not touching a penny in a bloated military budget. I mean, I don't know if you saw 60 Minutes on Sunday about the cost overruns, which are stunning. But yet we can't find a penny of savings. I'm not gonna vote for any kind of compromise that screws poor people. And that's my bottom line. This is just not right at so many levels. Now, there's a Boston Globe article from yesterday with the headline, The government pushes White House to hold Democrats' line on the food programs. It talks about how you trust the president, but that this could end up being a compromise that the president makes you send a very strongly worded letter that talked about how work clients in the past have not been as effective as even the president himself, a Democrat, believes them to be. Is this a likely scenario that in order to not default on our debts, the president does cave on this issue? Yeah, so I don't know, but if he does, he's not getting my vote. On this issue, it's that simple. This is just wrong. And what I worry about in negotiations is sometimes, you know, the human impact of some of these cuts gets sidelined. So it's like, oh, if you propose we throw a million people off a snap, and I, my compromises only throw 500,000 people off a snap, that's not a good deal. So you know, I want to make sure that the White House understands that this is not the place where they should be negotiating. They should be looking at the subsidies for big pharma, for the oil companies. They ought to be looking at the bloated military budget, not just programs that help poor people. And by the way, the approach Memorial Day, they also cut veterans programs as well. So you know, to all of our veterans who are listening, all these Republicans will show up on Memorial Day and talk about the sacrifices of our brave men and women about how we owe a debt of gratitude to our veterans. Understand that they're defunding veterans programs, including underfunding the patent, which we passed in a bipartisan way last year, which would basically help provide health care to veterans who have been exposed to these toxic chemicals that oftentimes are burned on military bases and around military bases. This is, this is a, uh, this is kinda a sad state of affairs. I feel like you may have intentionally given McGovern an extra robotic voice because he's on the robotics committee. Like you're just driving it home. I just felt the I wanted to be inspired by the different voices. I feel like this is the most uh, public radio we have ever sounded. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, for those just joining us, I mean, this I is our regular McGovern with McGovern with conversation. Um, but the audio got corrupted. 
Uh, let's another little example of this, Betsy. Well, first of all, I've known him for many, many years, and she's been a right. spectacular. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to hear listen to that. that audio. But he had that. so many good things to say that I thought since we talked about AI replacing us last week on the show, I would replace us with AI. And so once again, this is transcribed by the program Descript. It is AI from Well Said Labs, voice AI, and my avatar's name is James B. Narration UK. I've never felt so erudite in my life. You can't even get close to it. No, and Congressman Jim McGovern's avatar is Nicole L. Let's hear the second part of the conversation. Speaking with Congressman Jim McGovern. McGovern with McGovern. I don't know how much you heard about farms or farms, specifically in your district, and that hard frost from last week. I don't want out this particular farm, but I did receive word that they lost 100% of their European pear crop, 90 to 100% of the apple crop, 40 to 80% of their blueberry crop, as much as half of the strawberry crop. They said it's a third of what they would have projected in sales. Is there anything that can assist these small farmers in Western Mass now and or going forward into the farm bill in the future? There were existing programs and I'm not, I'm not sure you know whether these farms have reached out to USDA yet or not, but you know, they should call my office and we're happy to, to work with them. But our farms are vitally important to our economy, ah, and to our food supply, and especially at small and medium-sized farm like we have here in Massachusetts. And I will do everything I can to be persistent. Yeah, because they're gonna need assistance this very year. They can't wait for this farm to build to be negotiated, I think. Right. And I, I'm not even sure if you got a farm built right because a lot of programs, a lot of the nutrition programs are being decimated in the appropriations process. I'm not sure whether a farm bill can come together, but in any event, we, we look forward to doing everything we. Speaking of our, our rural areas in Western Mass are your thoughts on Democratic State, Senator from Massachusetts Anne Gobi being tapped head, the administration's rural affairs office. Well, first of all, I've known Anne for many, many years, and she's been a spectacular state legislator, and she knows rural areas inside and out. She's been the champion for rural communities for years and years and years. And so her being tapped for this position, I think, is really good news. One is she knows what she's talking about, and two, it shows that the Healy administration actually understand that we have rural community in Massachusetts and that they need to be a priority, not that simply an afterthought. So putting someone in that position, I think is good for our rural community. It's good for our farmers too. Is she rural enough? That's been some of the rumblings I've been hearing was, should there have been somebody from further out west or rather than central mass? Yeah, let, let me just say about Anne. I mean, uh, you know, if you're in Boston, you think Worcester is a west, right? Having said that, I would simply say, yeah, there may be a lot of people that would be really good for the position. I'm just telling you that Anne's gonna be spectacular, and I look forward to bringing her out to my communities in western Massachusetts to introduce her to people who don't know her, but those who have worked with her, including me, in our area, I think we're all backing this. Listener question from Tom. He wants to know where he can find an easy-to-understand explanation of what's available and how to get benefits from the Inflation Reduction Act. He says he hates IRA as an acronym for this, but he found the US government's IRA summary, but that it's pretty dense and is wanting to know if there's anything more user-friendly about perhaps finding things like a rebate for an induction oven or things along that. Those lines, any resources you know of. 
that make it easy and user-friendly for people to take advantage of some of the benefits in the IRA. Well, maybe what I would suggest is that he call our office and tell us specifically what he is interested in or what rebates he's potentially interested in. And then let's see whether we can hook him up with the right person and give them a Cliff Notes version of, of what's available. So it may be quicker and faster, more efficient for him to give us a call and we can then respond appropriately. That's what we're there for, man. And we're supposed to work for the community, not the other way around. I mean, we're here to try to connect the dots and you know, help make sure that people can take advantage of initiatives that they're entitled to. You hear the code from the Northampton office get researching. Congressman, imagine, if you will, a dystopian one-party future, which some people think we already live in, and that there's very little demo difference between the Democrats and Republicans. But you are not allowed to vote for a Democrat for president in 2024 of the candidates who have declared for the GOP. You must pick one. Who do you vote for for President Rhonda Sanders, as announced this week? Tim Scott, announced just recently. There's obviously the front runner. You gotta pick one. Who's the best case scenario for the Republicans? I'm, I'm clueless. I can't. I mean, some of them I don't even know. So maybe one of the ones I don't know. But I mean, I don't even know what the difference is between Donald Trump and some of the others. They're all kind the same. So I appreciate the question. I just, I, I would. Take a sick day. They're all anti-choice. They're all against the environment. I just, I can't, can't go there. You will be having coffee with your constituents at the Bangs Community Center a week from this Saturday and then shortly thereafter are gonna be joining us to live on stage at the NEPN Asparagus Festival for a live taping of this show, The Fabulous 413. But if you're listening to this, Come in with questions ready both to the Bangs Community Center in Amherst that Saturday or to the Asparagus Festival. And we can open it up as we open it up here every week for MC Gilverling with McGovern. You can send us your questions, the fab413 at nepn.org or text them at 1-800-639-9120 and I'll ask them on your behalf. Thanks as always, Congressman. We'll talk to you again next week. It's my pleasure. All the best. Be safe. MC Governing is a separate I love that. I, like, he's gonna, like, he drops mics all the time, but like... Yeah, MC Governing. MC Governing. That is his hip-hop name. We already had his drag name. So for those who are just tuning in in the middle of that, uh, the audio got corrupted for my regular McGoverning chat. We had chatted last week about how AI audio was going to replace real human audio. Uh, there Except we're obvious glitches when you try that. <laughs> First off, tr- yes, Worcester. They said Worcester <laughs> called called the new GOP candidate for president Rhonda Santis, which again is a drag name. It uh, says drag name on that site, isn't right. it? It's, well, we came up with that the oh, other day. Enough. And uh, the fact, though, that when you're when I was editing that and listening to it, the breaths that are built into that AI, it's chilling. <laughs> like how they know when to to build breaths in. And please do go back. And listen to the information talked yes, about. Yes, there is important information <laughs> there about the frost and about SNAP benefits, about a lot of things. So when your laughter dies down, because if it, you were trying to get breath like I was in the middle of all of that, you might have missed some things. Do go back, check out our podcast on nepm.org and like listen to it again. <laughs> yes. And we hope to have either actual U.S. Congressman Jim McGovern with us at the Asparagus Festival or his avatar, Nicole L., narration U.S. Preferably him, because from... Nicole L. has some issues with pronunciation yeah. of Massachusetts towns. That's correct. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to talk with Scotty Swan about magic and puppetry and rock band camp. And we're also going to talk 
about maps, but not cartography. No. You'll hear, hear all about it coming up Indeed. on the Fabulous 413 on NEPM. A long time ago, in a valley far, far away, a teacher had an idea to make his students collaborate with other students who may have been outside of their purview. Seventeen years and several schools later, music and poetry synchronized, or MAPS for short, is continuing to foster the artistic endeavors of young folks across the country. In their own words, they aim to build a world where all students have the freedom to be creative, be heard, be understood, and be respected. As they wrap up their 2023 season, we check in with the people participating in this year's projects. Sure, sure. We have Chris Fournier of the MAPS program. First off, I just want to say uh, thank you uh, for coming <laughs> here, right? So I'm Chris Fournier. I'm the Engagement and Development Director for Music and Poetry Synchronized. And uh, I've also taught the program, too, so I, I know it from that perspective. And I've been uh, affiliated with MAPS from its beginning 17 years ago. So, um, And I was at the Pioneer Valley Performing Arts School in South Hadley. So. So. 17 years is a long time. How many schools did it start with? Uh, it started with one. It was actually, uh, it was PS 101 in Harlem and, uh, and PVPA in South Hadley. And it was that way for the first 14 years. And then it expanded pretty dramatically. Yeah, that seems uh, really and, dramatic. And How many schools are involved now? So there are 12 programs, right? I mean, you know, that are happening simultaneously. Two happening right here in East Hampton, and then uh, Smithfield, Rhode Island. There are four programs in Hartford. Uh, there's Northampton High School, uh, and also uh, two, 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 two programs in Puerto Rico <laughs> as well. So um, yeah, and and we'll be in Vermont uh, next year as well. So we're expanding we'll be able to share more about that in the spring the program here maps music and poetry synchronized in east hampton what i think is particularly exciting about it is that is the first time we've done two programs happening simultaneously within a school so usually the way the program works is that there are one partner school students in the fall write poems those are then sent to the other school the partner school in january and then they're turned into compositions right over the semester in this case uh you know here and through the course of january and also those poems and music inspires visual artists at, at this school and, and also great path academy in hartford so that's kind of exciting too to bring that all that other element in as well so i mean i think what i'm most excited about with maps and you hear from students about it is that it's an opportunity for students to be seen heard and affirmed right and then you're connecting people in different communities which i absolutely love yeah so i'm sean Julius. i'm the music teacher at East Hampton High School and so here I uh, direct the concert band, the chorus, a rock band class and this class that we're seeing right now which is a music technology class. What do the kids, <laughs> kids want to learn in rock band nowadays? So that's a good question. A mixed bag. The ki usually the kids who do take it are really into like rock music but I'm like open to popular music or other styles like I'm like let's let's explore them. I'll usually find like one or two songs that I'm like these are good kind of standard easier to learn rock songs that we can get you started on because the kids who take that class occasionally like some will know an instrument or have been familiar with an instrument but it's the type of thing where I'm like oh we're gonna try out guitar we're gonna try out drums we're, we're gonna play bass and they've never touched these instruments before so they kind of learn it from the ground up like just getting students on instruments that they've never played before. Generally the music technology class is an elective class that students from all across the school may take over the course of their four years in the, in the school. How did the music tech class come to be involved with the MAPS program? So the people from MAPS reached out to us. We did it the first time last school year. I thought it was a really interesting opportunity and a neat thing to integrate with my 
my music technology class. I think it was an opportunity for students to connect more with the community, you know, because we do a lot of projects in here that are kind of contained within the classroom. So this was a unique opportunity. It's an interesting way to get students to collaborate with their peers in terms of performance because that doesn't necessarily happen outside of school too. So a program that does that and allows them to build by themselves is really interesting. Have you seen changes in your students with them working with each other? Well, I think one of the things that's interesting is just the fact that typically my performing ensembles are band and chorus. So to do something that has presentation slash performance piece with elective class is a little bit not typical. So that's been a really cool thing is to be able to bring out what we do in this music tech class out to the community. Normally only my band and chorus students are going to get to experience. And then, uh, and also Mr. Yulius did not mention, and I'll say it, he's a very talented musician. <laughs> Hi, my name's Khalees. This is Monty. We're interested in your program, so. I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> that is the most perfect response I've heard to a question that I have asked this morning. Jack. Samson. What interested you about the MAPS program? Well, I, f I found it through Hearing Music Technology, and I thought it was a really cool idea to bring music and poems together. And I've, when I heard I wanted to compose some of the poems. So you've been involved in both sides of uh, Last the year, I had an opportunity to do the poem side of it, but we never got to it. I don't know why. You got to do it yourself as like a sort of bonusy thing? Yeah. How do you feel about the collaborations that you've worked on? Like, Do you work directly with the poems? Do you just get handed a pile of poems and then come up with what you want? Yeah. Or Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We haven't worked with them at all, so we're just kind of going off of the words themselves. We just have to interpret them our own way, figure out what works. Are each of you working on just one song, or do you pair up for more than one song? It depends song? on the projects. I worked alone in my, both of my projects, because <laughs> you know, I chose to. But. Are there any that like the whole class is working on? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I worked with another person on both of my projects. How often do you have to share or check in on how it's going? Realistically, about every day. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta make sure that we're getting through things. The motivation is tricky. But. Oh, you're here every day? Yeah. Yep. That's a lot more time than I thought that this was taking. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah, no, it, this is, it's also like, I feel like I always underestimate how long it takes to create music. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's that much, but it takes like hours to get this kind of... Yeah, that's always the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you hear about people having songs pour out of them and you're just sort of like, that is unfair to the yeah. rest of us sitting here in practice for hours on end. Yep. So how many songs total have you gotten through or are you getting There's through? There's nine in total. Nine total? Yeah. 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 Have you seen any of the art that's attached to it? I don't think we have. I'm creating one of the pieces. Oh, you're doing all of the things. <laughs> I, I asked our teacher and she said it's fine. Well, uh, that's yeah. awesome. So I got a poem, I gotta find the poem. You really are aspects. doing all of the things. <laughs> you really like the program. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. How would you encourage someone else what would you say to encourage somebody else to be a part of this program? It's not as difficult as you think. It's just, you just need to put the time into it. If you actually put the time into it, it just kind of happens. There's nine uh, poems that the, the students worked on. So some kind of uh, work together and you know, some worked on their own. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, definitely the challenge was, and I think, I don't know if the students talked about it at all, but definitely like figuring out how to put music to what are some pretty deep topics. And I think that's, that's always the hardest part with this project because they're not like maybe lighthearted in a lot of ways. So how do you make the music reflect what the author's writing about? So that was definitely, I think, the, one of the big challenges. Did you give them examples of harder topics being well, we've, handled I, in music before? I showed them some of the, you know, the videos and stuff from the other MAPS projects in the past mm. to give them an idea, right. um, which I think was, was helpful. You know, and we also did some work, too, before this project with, like, film music and watching movies. I think there was probably some influence there to a certain extent, too, like, in terms of which sounds are going to work together. To, to create what certain feeling that fits with. with exactly, yeah. We, we spent a whole, basically a whole month on, like, emotion and feelings and, and things like that. So I think that was actually a good lead up into doing this, this project. Very cool. Mm-hmm. When the other school is so far away, like the East Hampton one is only, do each of the schools have performances at their respective places? So, so the way this will work is, um, and, it, and you know it's been a couple years since we've been able to do in person, the students from Great Path Academy will come here this year and be with the students all together. They will perf- that performance will be all together with both with both schools, and then it'll alternate next year. East Hampton students will go to Great Path. It's a you know afternoon where people will spend time together, get a chance to meet one another, talk about the creative process. What was that like to you know transform someone else's words into a song? Right, that's a challenging task, right? When it, when the school was when it was like PVPA and Harlem, how did those performances work? Oh yeah, you you you'll be able to see how that works too because that's going to be slightly different here we've got some music tech class um, at, for the PBPA hey how you doing <laughs> the, 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 PB, the PBPA uh, performances uh, well that's going to be the students will stream in from Puerto Rico the poets will read their poems then the live musicians will take the stage and then they'll have to do a virtual gathering because of the distance right. uh, not that, that that won't happen in the future but at least for this year and each school has its own unique identity and how they do it right but it but it's it is bringing people together that's the the ultimate goal thank you so much for arranging this they're adorable thank you i'm trying real hard not to like super geek out over all of their real cute songs (laughs) 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 so just want to stick my head in there and go like oh and what sound are you using here yeah right i wanted to set up the kit and just start playing yeah, I know. Don't you want to like touch all the instruments yes. when you're in a band room? Me too. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Me and, too. That, and that's that's the one I used to teach it. I love it because you would go, okay, someone needs this at this particular moment. I'm hearing this, so you just can jump in and start doing right. that. Right? Yeah. Or somebody else, oh, so and so plays that, so they can they can yeah. they can do that. So you help people kind of bring that vision out. You know? There's a lot that you can do by yourself with a computer. And there's a lot that you can do with other people bringing it in, both with the the poetry and actual instruments. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting, really important point of community to actually get to, which this program clearly does. Real cool. Up next, more with the people who make up the incredible MAPS program, this time at its School of Origin, PVPA. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. We're spending some time with MAPS, Music and Poetry Synchronized, a program which brings two schools from different ethnic, socioeconomic, and environmental backgrounds together to make art and build bridges. And Khalees heads into the school that started it all, the Pioneer Valley Performing Arts Charter School.
Hi. Founder of the MAPS program. Nice, nice to see you. <laughs> it's nice to see I you too. I taught here for 10 years. I did this both sides of this, uh, both the Paideia side and other side as well. And there's other people in the room. Chris did it one year. Ilana did it a year. I'm the guy who co-founded it 18 years ago, and then we've had the glorious relationship here the whole way. So it's been a marriage made in heaven with PVPA as far as I'm concerned. And as I just said, because we have another concert coming up in East Hampton, and I was saying to somebody here today, it's so great, as I said on stage, to be home. We do it best, I think, here. It's We've had a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> and the students are so great, and they write the greatest songs. And this year, uh, Garrett is showing way more humility than he certainly uh, might, that he's just what he had to pull together in two weeks. I, I never did in two weeks. By day, it was three weeks until this year. And he had snow days. So it's a just a phenomenal effort. So it was great. What led the decision to add another school, not just another school, but a school in Puerto Rico to the MAPS program? Um, a board member had a home in the Rincon area of Puerto Rico and knew the school specifically that we started partnering with four years ago. And he, he had the brainchild of, well, why don't we just try to do it with them? So four years ago, we had put the entire thing together to go. We had raised all the money, done everything we needed to do. At that time, Matthew King was um, the lead teacher with the other teacher that Garrett was speaking about, Rahul Roy. And we were going to all go to Puerto Rico and then the earthquakes hit. Literally five days before we were all supposed to leave, we had to cancel the trip. And then we did a fundraiser at Gateway for victims of, so that that was sort of what happened. And then COVID hit. Puts a little damper in your plans. That's uh, kind of definitely changed uh, <laughs> the live component of, you know, what you heard one of the students talk about. It'd be great to be able to get them together live. It's a big lift. That's all, especially with Puerto Rico. Okay, give me your full name. Ilana Morris. Wonderful. What brought you to the MAPS program? Um, well, I, MAPS and I go way back. Uh, <laughs> I took it when I was in eighth grade. It was the first music class that I ever took at PVPA. And back then it was a full year class. The first semester was a songwriting course, and then it morphed into the MAPS class. And at that point, we were partnering with an elementary school in Harlem. And if I could have taken it longer, I would have. But when I got to high school, they didn't offer it to the high school. It was only a middle school class. And then my senior year, of high school, they started offering it to high school students. So I got to take it again my senior year. Back then, Tom taught the class, so I was his teacher's assistant for the middle school version of it. And then the year after I graduated college, he called me up last minute and asked if I could teach the songwriting portion here at PVPA. I did that with Chris. And now I work for the organization. So it's been a journey. <laughs> Love it first class. Yes. <laughs> so is it still taught in the middle in the middle school here? I know that there are are parts portions of it so occasionally there'll be an eighth grader who will show a large amount of interest in the program and we see what we can do to to cater to that and to arrange for it but generally it's a high school program here one thing i noticed that i was expecting coming in is that uh the pvpa songs like their music writing portion is very analog whereas at least where 
East Ham is almost entirely digital. Is that conscious or was that just kind of how it ended up working out? So the class here at PVPA is a songwriting class. So you have students sort of work in a collaborative effort and they'll break up into small groups, create bands to create full arrangements, full live arrangements of the music. But the maps class at East Hampton High School is a music production course. So everything that they're doing is on the computer. It's right. digital. It's all, it's all expected. Some of them might be tracking with live instruments, but everything that they're doing is pre-recorded. And that, that to, to a large degree, comes down to the semester. So the challenge we have, we would prefer that it be live instrumentation. But with East Hampton and Northampton, even though we just fully found out today with a student, we got the two groups of students together with Great Path Academy in Manchester, Connecticut, and Northampton, that they actually have figured out, to me, what would be the perfect blend of a class that is writing songs and then another class of kids that are doing the tech. The tech kids are producing what, you know, the the musicians are writing and it's all going together. This is the greatest thing that could happen. It's tough because you tend to have the semester, maybe they do a songwriting, they may have live instrumentation in the fall. That doesn't work for us because we have to have the poetry written in the fall. So we have to take a winter spring semester for the music side and if the only if they're only doing tech we're kind of stuck to that so that's been a challenge for us because here at pvpa it has always been instrumentation we're working on it (laughs) (laughs) the contrast is going to be interesting between the two concerts for sure how do you feel about the importance of first especially in this space where this was the the place where the program was started and the only place it was for a long period of time and now it's branched out so far to answer your question as i said on stage and said earlier this is home (laughs) so i i don't know as we still have for instance garrett now is in his second year and it's been great matthew left matthew had taught maps for years and rahul is still teaching and he's been here we're all here together so it'll be interesting as we transition through some new teachers and i know the school is very committed to partnering on this maps program which is great and so i think as long as that is the case then this will stay home (laughs) so i was gonna ask which side you like best the music or the poetry or the visual art side but i think that's unfair it just depends yeah (laughs) and the visual art component really was driven during covid that now is a preeminent part and is really great i was just talking with bran about that because the, the art teacher here is one of them is now doing the art for this maps program and it's been fantastic what's come out of that My first question is, why participate in the program? What did you like about it? What, what appealed about it to you? And Mark? Marcus. Marcus, wonderful. I just think it's a great opportunity to collaborate with other musicians and um, basically put the words in a poem inside music and try to replicate what these students wrote, you know what I'm saying, like their feelings and all their emotions. So I think it's a beautiful thing. Your name is? My name is Eddie. Yes. Um, as a musician, I don't often start making songs with the lyrics. 
And also I don't often make songs with lyrics that I didn't write. It's an amazing experience to be able to do this. Yeah, what Marcus just said, like take take the words and turn them into a melody and make them into something bigger. Yes. Oh, give me your name first. We're going to get my into name, this. My name's Rue. I've done a lot of songwriting in the past, but I tend to do it on my own and flesh out just the lyrics. So it, it's a nice experience to be able to do it with other people and to have the lyrics first and focus more on the music aspect. I saw your hand up. Yeah. Where? And your name is? Jeremiah. Um, it's nice to have see no, it's nice to see other people's perspective on music because I'm so used to just not only playing like my own genre, but genres that I'm just more comfortable with. But I would say it's good to get outside my comfort zone more. It's good to hear a different side of rock and a different side of like jazz and maybe even classical from everybody's point of view. But yeah, I I love to hear collaboration from different points of everybody, students, teachers. It's amazing. How were these collaborations different from what you usually work on? Most of our bands do mostly covers of other songs. So like creating songs is a completely different experience than just learning already written songs and maybe coming up with different parts to them. And a really unique and like important one. Also, I've ended up working with a lot of people that I don't normally work with playing music at PVPA, which is a really good experience. My name is Ajika. I think one of the most unique things about this process was that we were working with lyrics from people that we'd never met. And so seeing what things were so part of the human experience and part of the young person's experience and then working with that was really, really cool. I could say for me personally, it was a lot of communication wise, especially because, you know, this person might have been out or this person might have forgot they were on this song or, you know, it was kind of like <laughs> at first. Yeah, I don't want to say any names, but at first. It was a little, it was a little hectic, uh, but get, like you know, going forward, we. I'm gonna say not, that in music. Yeah. That's just gonna keep yeah. happening. It's been. <laughs> oh, I know. But I can say personally that now it kind of gives not only me, but I feel like it. Well, mainly me. It gives me better communication skills towards people, and it helps. Like it really has helped see like how people work, not just like how you work. It shows how you need to learn how to communicate, and how this person might not communicate with music or know this much as music as well as you or you might not know as much as them so you know you have to adjust to what everybody's doing. Wow. I have a kind of side question to this. So I know about Paideia is kind of like a, a short semester independent study sort of thing. If I have this right? Okay. But you ended up having like less time and I know I was supposed to come to a practice of yours but couldn't because somebody got COVID. Um, some, somebody, somebody's got COVID. <laughs> I know y'all felt the, the crunch a bit with this. Did that change how you approached this? How did it change how you approached building your songs, finishing your songs, working together? Well, there were two groups of maps. There were people who were there all day and there were people who were there just in the afternoon. And it happened that when everybody got COVID, there were three people in the morning and like a huge group in the afternoon. And basically we could only work on like one song for an entire week only in the morning. So that was really hard, but we changed a lot in the last like three days and after school rehearsal, stuff like that. And I think it worked out, but it was really hard, especially without the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Garrett. Um, so normally Paideia is a, well, in past years, Paideia has been a three week program. This year it was two weeks, except there were two and a half snow days. Um, so it went down from normally what it is, which is 14 days down to six and a half days. On 
on top of that, I was there for the first three days, and then I got COVID, so I was out. So the kids sort of took the time they had, put things together as much as they could. By the end of the program, things weren't totally done. So what we ended up doing was we scheduled extra rehearsals, we scheduled lunch rehearsals, we scheduled after school, and we all just came together and wrote the songs and finished up stuff that was like mostly done and rehearsed it and dress rehearsed it. So I think what was different this year was we had a lot less time and situations meant we had even less time than that. But through extra hard work, these kids really put it all together and pulled off an awesome show as far as I'm concerned. That was a pretty awesome show. So PVPA does two programs. Yes. And some kids do both. Some kids just do one. Do you usually do the exchange with the school in Puerto Rico in the in the winter? So I do the, I lead the MAPS winter program. Okay. The, the Paideia program. Um, there's another teacher who does the spring semester program. Do they get more? Yeah, they get a semester. They get the whole semester. <laughs> yeah. So instead of like, <laughs> instead of like two or three weeks, they get like 18 weeks. <laughs> But but we do all day every day, so right. it's so it's intensive. Like we do full day intensive. We're in every day for weeks. For the, the other one, it's more of like a class that meets periodically. So cool, cool. three hours a week instead of six hours a day. Marcus, I saw your hand up. I was gonna say um, the obstacles. I feel like they made us stronger as a group because a lot of the times when people were out with COVID and stuff like that, it was frustrating, especially when they were important to that certain song. So we had to still manage to get it done. And let me tell you, lunch rehearsals give you about enough time to set up the mics and then to unset up the mics. <laughs> Um, so it was definitely, it was definitely not ideal, but yeah, with after school rehearsals and just like working extra hard and learning things like learning chords outside of time that we were in class, it really pulled itself together. So that said, with like the time crunch that you had, are there things that you wish that you had done differently, things that you wanted to do? I mean, one thing I would have loved to have done that I know has happened in the past was just to meet the poets. Cause I think that's an opportunity that would have been really cool to get to speak to them and see where they were coming from with all of this. Nope. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really good note to end on. Thanks to everybody from MAPS. Up next, more kids playing music together. It is the best. We'll talk with Springfield's Scotty Swan about his kids' rock band camp performance happening in Northampton this weekend. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Baby. <laughs> Sometimes we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody in the studio has a Prince tattoo, and that somebody is Springfield's own Scotty Swan, who this Sunday in the fabulous 413 will be presenting Kids Rock Band Academy Concert featuring the Agents of Insanity. Scotty Swan joins us in the studio. Thanks so much, Scotty. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for having a Kids Band Camp, because honestly, more kids on more instruments, more better. Yep. Tell us about Kids Band Camp. Where are these kids coming from? How many kids are in this Agents of Insanity, good band name, by the way. Yeah, I let them pick it. So um, I'll get to that in a little bit. But so it started because um, the um, Downtown Sounds had a rock and roll band camp program, but it stopped when the pandemic hit and they weren't doing anything. I think it was this is our third time. So I think it was the summer before last. I think I started. We only had three kids. I literally went in and I was like, hey, what are you guys doing with this band camp? They were like, well, nothing. I was like, well, let me run it. They were like, okay. <laughs> and that's literally how, and then I just, <laughs> I came in a few weeks after that, signed a contract, and then we just got rolling. And then I was like, hey, this is awesome. Let's do another one. 
Nice. And they're like, okay. <laughs> they're really cool. Like, everybody at Downtown Sounds is really cool, and they've been really supportive. Garrett, Dave, everyone. Worker-owned co-op yeah. music store. Love Interesting them business model so on Pleasant Street, much. Northampton. Don't know if they're an underwriter or not, but I'll just fully disclose <laughs> them. They might be. <laughs> and so it, it just kept going, and, and, like, you know, this time around we've got six kids um, from 9 to 15, um, really amazing musicians, uh, they're fast learners. Last time we did it, we did Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take nice. It. Nice. And I taught the kids the solo. Nine-year-old nailed the solo. Wow. Yes. Um, that always makes me feel like I'm not practicing hard enough, but yeah. I love seeing it. Well, it's it's funny because I don't practice, and so, but I had to <laughs> learn relearn songs in order to teach them right. these songs. So I it's it was good for me to practice, too, mm-hmm. so I could, like, go back and show them how to play these songs correctly. Everybody wins. That's and it. the show is this Sunday, 4 p.m. at downtown, uh, at uh, 33 Holly, right? That's correct. Northampton yeah. Center for the Arts presenting this as well, and it's a kids rock band academy concert, and you mentioned six kids of all these different ages. What, what towns are they coming from? Where are they, where are they all located? And, and like, where do you go rehearse with all these kids coming from? It's not like a neighborhood band where everybody plays where the drummer's house is, which is how it happened for my bands. Yep, riding bikes <laughs> to your drummer's house. Yeah. Uh, so most yeah. of them are from the Valley. Uh, North Ham- a lot of them are from Northampton and possibly, I think, Florence. Um, also Northampton. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> don't tell them that. <laughs> yeah, don't tell them. Wait, Springfield's not West Springfield. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so uh, we practiced down in one of the Base, uh, one of the practice rooms in the basement of the store. Uh, we have the biggest room down there. At Downtown Sounds. Yeah. Downtown Sounds. Um, everything, all the gears there. So all they do is bring their guitars. And if something happens, we just go upstairs and grab something. Uh, if we need a new amp or if we need a, uh, a bass, um, and we're all set. It's really cool. They're, like I said, they're very supportive of this program. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I love it. I love coming to Northampton and just teaching kids how to play music and just it's a team building program as well and you know and I want them hopefully to become friends and I, the first day I said I want you guys to hang out I don't want you to just come here and play I want you guys to like when you see each other I want you to acknowledge each other I want to build friendships out of this program as well we're speaking with Scotty Swan from Springfield who's bringing his kids rock band academy concert with the agents of insanity great band name this Sunday 4 p.m. for free at 33 Holly in downtown Northampton. But this is not the only camp that you're running. Yeah, you That's love right. teaching kids to make magic, either the music magic or magic magic. That's right. Uh, we have Urban Wizards Academy, uh, which is a program I started a few years ago. Uh, it started out as a magic program, and now it's it slowly morphed into puppets and music. And I was like, I just any geeky thing that I could find... Uh, to teach kids. Yes! And, you know, Our like, numbers must uh, grow! Yeah. Join us! <laughs> like, all, all the stuff that I loved when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I could, I want to teach other kids how to do this. Yeah. All the stuff that I wish um, I had uh, at my fingertips when I was growing up here in Springfield that, you know, it did, that didn't exist. Yeah. And, I mean, it's worth mentioning you are part of the iconic swan family I am, of yes. Springfield. I'm the black swan of the family. So <laughs> the, uh, I think uh, they're all black swans. <laughs> we're all black swans. <laughs> the black sheep of the black yeah, swan. Ben Swan is your dad. That's, uh, that's correct. The sadly late Bishop Talbert Swan is your uncle. That's correct. The current Bishop Talbert Swan is your cousin. That's correct. He's on the radio, and I love listening to a real firebrand. Yeah. One of your relatives is in my neighborhood. Which... 
one of the Bens. Ben Jr. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. You live, wait, you. I'm in McKnight, yo. <laughs> That's news to me. Bought a house. A lot of my rep- relationship to Springfield has to do with you, Scotty, because like ninety percent of the time I'd be coming to Springfield was to come and hang out with yeah, you here. Yeah, it's and, a great city, and I love how well you work with kids. Like you gave one of your magic kits, which are available when you sign up for Magic Camp, to my now nine-year-old back when he was eight or seven or eight. Yeah, and I come home from work one day, and he's learned all of these card tricks and all these other fantastic things because you know you're really you're magic when it comes to teaching kids how to do that kind of thing. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's. Uh, that's very cool. Yeah, uh, sign them up if you guys are available. Yeah, we'll all right. About, we'll talk about <laughs> and what? Tell us a little bit more of the details on the Magic Camp that'll so, happen with A to Z in July. If you're Magic in that. Camp is a five-day uh, Magic Camp at A to Z, uh, July twenty-fourth to the twenty-eighth, uh, from eleven thirty to two thirty. It's the Wi- Wi- Willard the Wizard's Wacky Wand Course. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of. Wha- that's a hard alliteration to yeah. do. You chose that. <laughs> I did. Well, because purple wand just sounded boring. So Fair enough. Like, Fair gotta, enough. Gotta but it would be a, it a, little. a little Prince reference there, maybe. <laughs> that would be. That's the next camp. I can't wait for that one, <laughs> Scotty Swan. And it's also, I'm happy to finally have you on our public radio show. You've been on my other radio show yeah, this is cool. many times because where we really met was when Carol Spinney, who is Big Bird, oh, was at the Academy of Music. RP, and bro. you love the Muppets and Sesame Street. I love the Muppets and Sesame Street. I That's mean, right. Speaking, I, it's a character flaw to not. I think so too. I'm, I'll die on that hill. Ooh, ooh. my seven-year-old, not <gasps> a fan. Well, doesn't, really? Doesn't like Elmo. Might have to oh, get a DNA. Test. Elmo's a different story. That's different. You can. You're, you're allowed to not yeah. like Elmo. <laughs> Actually, real quick, I know it's. Uh, can you open up your gift real quick? Just two okay. seconds. Just open it up Here. quick. Hurry. Right. You open up that gift, and I'll, I'll get ready thing. to start. Because uh, we're talking about Sesame Street. To, oh my goodness, I can't wait to see. We're going to share this gift. Well, that's Scotty Swan, the Urban Wizards. Uh, sorry, the Kids Rock Band Academy concert this Sunday. He's giving us a glossy Sesame Street. What the? Wonderful looking book. I love this. I wish we opened it up earlier. We can talk about it more. But do see this rock band camp for kids with the Agents of Insanity for free at our underwriter, uh, sponsored by Downtown Sounds at 33 Holly. Tomorrow in the fabulous 413, the Greenfield Skate Park is finally open. And we're all wondering why the Northampton Fire Department suddenly shut down the Bombic Center for Arts and Equity in Florence. What will it take to get that now vital part of the art scene up and running again? Friday in the Fabulous 413, we'll hear from Cassandra Holden from Bombix and Laudable Productions and Bombix board chair Elizabeth Dunaway. And that might make you want a drink, so we'll enter the Wine Thunderdome with Benton and Bruce from Provisions, where Monty will temporarily put aside his hangups and drink canned wine. Plus live music Friday with the Threesies. Our director is Tony has become the Spear Dunn. Our engineer is Betsy Cordes, who intentionally gives us fodder for these. Our technical team is Bart, unending stealth mode rank and Kara have at it, Foster and punk root boy Dubay. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Masterpiece Theater, Beyonce, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Maps and Legends, and Prince Roger. Nelson. I'm Cooley Smith. And I'm Monty.